With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, as a reminder to show everyone how crappy 2020 is, I was able to cross off poop thread for my 2020 bingo card because of Lamar Jackson and his poop run in Cleveland. Yeah, cramps, right? Cramps, stomach cramps. If if they were the the. The waddle he does out of that locker room. Let me for, let me start by saying this. That was a really good game. If you didn't watch the the Ravens and and the Browns play, I, I mean, you got to you could you you missed a game. And quite frankly, as you said before we started recording, and it just about knocked me out of my chair. L- Lamar Jackson was able to flush the Browns after that game. I mean, it was. Uh, a well-played joke, and I enjoyed it, and I had to compose myself to be able to say it because I probably would have started laughing again because it was it was great. I, now, if you're a Browns, you can, you can make the joke that if you bet on that game, if you had a parlay where Lamar Jackson flushed the Browns twice, you won. He, I mean, it was almost like he was taking the Browns to the Super Bowl. I, <laughs> such a good, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, though, that was a pretty crappy ending. I mean, there is no doubt about that. So, you know, it was quite the steamer. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, and it was, 
it was the second time they've played, and it was a it was a big number two win for the Ravens, obviously. So, uh, oh, we got to stop with the poop jokes. <laughs> no more poop jokes. That did somebody? Yeah. Uh huh. No, I'm looking at the judge here. Yeah, he's he's taking away two points. Two. We did it again. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. It was a fun game, though. I I, I do have to say, it, and it was cool watching Lamar Jackson come waddle out of the tunnel, but then also show up and perform at the end there. It was a Superman moment for sure. And and also for Baker Mayfield, what a game. That was just a great game. And and if if that is the future of the NFC North. AFC North. AFC North. Thank you for correcting me. I, too many poop jokes. I'm out, I'm out of my element here. Uh, it is, it's going to be fun to watch. Obviously, if you're Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, you probably don't like the idea of having those two guys as quarterbacks in your division. But too bad that's just the way it is ben roethlisberger's leaving soon anyway so anyway we wanted to start with that because how much fun is a couple of poop jokes to start a show so that's two weeks in a row we've gone from beans around the fire to poop jokes yeah i'm just trying to help 2020 2020 i I know my bingo card did not even have that on there that's how that's how crazy it was i'm surprised you had that on your bingo card all right, so let's let's jump in here a little bit. Uh, just before we started recording, um, we you know there was a tweet that came out, or sort of a news story that sort of popped up, if you will. Uh, Mike Kliss did an interview on 104.3 The Fan. Uh, not uh, uh, this, I guess it would you would say Tuesday morning. I don't know what time their show is on, but with um, yeah, they're the morning show, yeah. Stinkin' Evans, Stinkin and it Evans. was Mile High Huddle who brought everyone's attention to the interview. Because we looked through both Mike Evans and Mark Schlereth's Twitter accounts and 104.3, the fans' Twitter account, they didn't have anything on it. It's it's going to be something that people talk about because of what Cliss doesn't say. But for the most part, there's, it's really a nothing burger for now. Yeah. So essentially, the question is is going to be mostly about like you know changes in the future they were talking about melvin gordon and why he didn't take the suspension now there's the whole sort of uh way that the interview goes and you can certainly go and download it or or find it on 104.3 the fan that's that's something that you're welcome to go and do uh but for context they were talking about why melvin gordon decided to not take the three game suspension now and and push the trial back to the middle of january for his alleged dui and there's a lot of rumblings that Gordon's attorneys have evidence of some sort. I mean, I think it's pretty cut and dry. If you're drunk driving, you're drunk driving. It's kind of hard to profile a drunk driver, not to bring up the racial issue of all of this. But, I mean, that's that's a dicey situation. Profiling but, is usually the weaving, but that's I'll you know sort of leave that. I, it, I, I am curious to see what evidence they have. To show that he wasn't drunk driving, but that that's basically the the basis and the context of this uh, interview and what Schlereth and Evans were asking him about, and then Cliss brings up he essentially brings up big changes in 2021 and this idea that uh, you know if you're five and eleven uh, versus eight and eight, then you know at five and eleven there's big changes in in Broncos country, and if you're you know eight and eight there are there are little few changes. And, and then when pressed on that by Schlereth, who sort of follows up, because obviously you have to, he kind of, he turned into uh, Flubby McFlubberson and kind of fumbled his way through a non-answer and, and actually even said, I'm going to punt. I, I loved when he said, I'm going to punt on that. Like, 
Uh, okay, Mike. Uh, it was his ode to John Fox. I, I suppose it was because John Fox does like to punt. I, we haven't done an ode to John Fox in a while there, so that was fun. F that guy. I, yeah, I suppose so, right? It, it was. It, I get the idea that you know everybody in Broncos country, fans, you know people who follow the team, are watching and and sort of wondering what what is going to happen with this team in the offseason. And you're wondering that without Mike Cliss sort of fumbling out some little like, oh, and then there's big changes. You don't need that. Everybody here is wondering what's going to happen in 2021. So I think it ended up being sort of like a wait and see kind of thing. Maybe there are going to be some big changes. Maybe there are not. But quite frankly, when Mike Cliss sort of fumbles his way through something like that, all you do is go, okay, well, he's – He's tuned in. He at least knows what's going on, but he clearly didn't have a response for Schlereth's answer or question, I should say. And I I commend him because he says that he doesn't want to speculate about people's jobs at this point. And and I and I respect him for doing that because the last thing that you want to do is throw out into the ether that so and so's job is on the line when there's still three games to go in the season and they're still playing for their job. So I, I respect him for doing that. I, it will be interesting to see what happens. I, I think they're, I think the the next three games are going to be a determinative factor on what happens with this team. If they're eight and eight, probably not. If they're five and 11. Yeah, I would say so. Well, you would hope so because it's, I mean, it's been, feudal football in Denver for far too long. And I apologize for the alliteration there, but it really has been uh, disappointing to say the least. I mean, and, and literally to say the least, it's been disappointing. Uh, and infuriating might be the, the correct thing to say as a fan who has never experienced losing like this. And I mean, we have, as fans for the last 40 years, been subjected to some some difficult seasons and some difficult eras and and I get that that's sort of fandom right that is what it means to be a fan is your team is going to be good at times and your team is going to be bad at times and they're going to be in the middle at times and that's fine I definitely understand that concept but we've never experienced this as fans I mean, quite frankly I mean I have never yeah not not in the, not in my lifetime that's the 40 year span that I, I throw out there so it is it is something where I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be disappointed after a 5 and 11 season that followed up just you know several crappy seasons not to go back to that joke and and saw some big changes. Now, quite frankly, my my viewpoint of it is that if there aren't any real changes at the top, then there really aren't any changes. And so whatever happens with this team to me doesn't really matter until what's going on at the top. And I'm talking about the tippy top of the organization. The rest of it's sort of pointless because it's all rudderless at this point. And that's something that we've been talking about for the last four years <clears throat> because it, there really isn't any leadership at the top because there's no one holding a people accountable. It would be nice to have someone finally hold someone accountable. It would be interesting if it was Joe Ellis, but we'll see. Yeah, because it would have to be Joe Ellis at this point. So, all right, let's let's move on from that. Again, like we said, we just we just had a conversation about a nothing burger from a conversation of nothing. So, I think we did a pretty good job there. Uh, there is some news. There's some other news in Broncos country. The uh, Brandon McManus COVID news. Um, he uh, he w- went on the COVID nineteen. Res- what do you call it? Is it the reserve list? Is it the, the f- he's got he's got a test positive for or negative for five days and then. 
he could be back on the team. And he actually tweeted uh, and mentioned that he thought he would be back uh, in time for, for Saturday's game against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it is a Saturday game, which is always fun when they get the, you know, though there's no college, so we'll just uh, we'll take over Saturday. The NFL's goal, I'm just going to say this now, the NFL's goal is to have football every single day of the week. That is, that is their end game. I believe that uh, in a thousand years, people will be talking about games that are played 365. There will never be an end. The cycle will just continue because that's what they want. In 2020, we've seen football on every day. Tuesday and Wednesday. That's true. And the Wednesday is the crazy one, right? I mean, Wednesday? You played football on a Wednesday? That's amazing. So, yeah, maybe – oh, my gosh. Could I start a conspiracy theory that the NFL actually created – no, I'm not going to – I'm not even going to go there. You know exactly where I'm going, and I'm going to stop myself now. Uh, But, yes, Brandon McManus – uh, did go on the the COVID list. Apparently, missing extra points is a is a symptom of COVID. Uh, <laughs> so there there's that. He didn't actually test positive for COVID, right? What what we know is that it was close contact. So we'll see what happens with I, that. I think so. But it it is funny if you didn't see the tweet. He tweeted after the game on Sunday. Brandon McManus sucked. <laughs> he was right. Yeah, Brandon McManus sucked today. I like that he owned it. He knows. I mean, Brandon McManus is is a funny guy, and he knows sort of he he knows what his role is on this team, and that he didn't he didn't perform as well as he should have, and that he's usually he's the main he's the main uh, point scorer, right? He's the leading point scorer for the Denver Broncos, which isn't exactly a positive thing, but uh, yeah, he he definitely sucked, and uh, it didn't matter because they still beat the Panthers on what could be considered Drew Locke's best game in his career. So there's that. The key question now is can he do it against the Bills on Sunday? Because it was his best game of his career. There's no doubt about that. You're on a list with Peyton Manning and John Elway. You're doing something right. And he is on a list with Peyton Manning and John Elway. For four touchdowns, uh, what is it, 75% completion percentage. I can't remember if there was one other stat or not. I mean, just right there, that's pretty impressive. So. And 150 quarterback rating, or close to. I think he was, was 149.5. He was a 149.5, which is which is we round up, right? I mean, come on, round it up, whatever. You can have it. No, it's a, it was a, it was a great game, and it was it was fun to watch. And we talked about that. That was fun to watch. And now the 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 question is, can he replicate that? Can the Broncos' offense replicate what they did against a? Let's face it, a bad Panthers team, right? That's the that's the the narrative. They were a bad Panthers team which is what you're supposed to do to bad teams. So in my you know my argument there is you're supposed to do that to a bad team. They did that to a bad Panthers team. Now, can they translate that into success against a good Bills team? And if if you don't believe that the Bills could go into this playoffs uh, into these playoffs and actually beat some of the some of the teams that you don't expect them to beat, well, they just put a hurting on uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and I think they might be the best they might be the best team with the best option or the best chance at beating the chiefs. So in the AFC, in the AFC, in the AFC, right. We're we're jumping over to the NFC. That's too much work for me. So you've got a pretty big test ahead of you. I mean, it is, it's just too much work for me. I'm very busy. (laughs) It's a pretty big test though for, for drew lock for this offense and, and for this defense and for Vic Fangio, I'm, I'm this, 
you've been studying for this test all season. I, I'm afraid they might bomb. And you mentioned the defense. <laughs> Do they have any healthy cornerbacks left? No, they called I mean, me and asked me if I could play on Saturday. I was like, no, I'm sorry. You know, I, I have to watch the game and then do a podcast, and I'm a son's catcher's camp, and we're very busy on Saturday. I won't be able to make it. Did you try so, Louie Wright? Champ Bailey? I bet Champ Bailey could still play. Champ could probably give you a quarter or two. I, I don't know if he could do a whole game because he's probably not in game shape, but I'll bet he could give you a quarter or two. So that that's going to be interesting to see how the, how the secondary – especially the cornerbacks are able to handle Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley and some of these other receivers that Josh Allen has. And it's just like every other quarterback, right? I mean, you, you got to get interior pressure. That's the key with any quarterback. And then Malik Reed, Jeremiah Tachu, Bradley Chubb have to hold containment and not let Josh Allen get outside of the pocket and have running lanes because you get too far up the field. You get beyond Josh Allen in the pocket so that opens up running lanes for him to escape that interior pressure. And, it, and Vic Fangio has designed some good blitzes over the course of the season. He's going to have to do the same. I'd love to see Will Parks and Kareem Jackson blitz and hit Josh Allen. I, I think that's the one thing you have to do. He's a lot like John Elway in that regard. You need to hit him and hit him as often as you can. And then you have to stop the running game. I mean, a, the rinse lather, lather, rinse, repeat in terms of the the keys for the Broncos defense, but that's what they need to do: create interior pressure, not have the edges get too far up, and have exotic blitzes that and exotic looks in terms of how the defense is situated on on specific plays where Josh Allen can't recognize it. So I, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what Vic Fangio is able to do, especially with the limited guys he has at cornerback. Yeah, and that really is a, a big part of this. And, and I, you know, we don't like to make excuses. Everyone always says everybody's got to deal with injuries. Everybody's got to deal with the, you know, the, tw- the season that is 2020. But if you go into this game and, and don't recognize just how difficult it's going to be for the Broncos, knowing that they're essentially trotting out third and fourth string guys to start this game in the secondary – you know, then I think you're really doing a disservice to your expectations uh, and to the expectations of the players on the field. What'll be uh, what'll be important is the guys that will be important will be the ones who can step up as starters, the ones who are the first string guys. Your Shelby Harris's of the world, you know, your Simmons and Jackson in the back in the defensive backfield. How can they step up and have an impact on this game? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to go into this with a fatalist attitude, but just on defense, when you're playing with that many injuries and dealing with that many problems, it's going to have a pretty negative impact. And so I, you know, in my estimation, it's going to be on the offense to step up and kind of keep up with what the bills are probably going to do on, you know, to the Broncos defense. And remember you mentioned what they did to the Steelers. The Steelers have the best, one of the best defenses in football. Yeah, so, I, I love the narrative that's out there. Well, the Steelers haven't played anybody, and that's why they were eleven and zero. It's the NFL. Like at a certain point, yeah, you go eleven and zero. It's it, the it, NFL. It's this exactly. is freaking Alabama playing, you know, in the SEC, and then little sisters of the poor. Every team in the NFL has elite players, and and I actually kind of think that that's an important thing to remember as well. Every single team has elite players. There's there's not a single team that doesn't have elite players. It's just it's just a team issue, right? There are things that go right and things that go wrong. And 
we've certainly experienced all of the things that could go wrong here in Broncos country over the course of the last five years. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, that's what we're, that's what I'm supposed to do on a podcast is talk about it. Great. Whose idea was this? Should we get the keys to the game or do you have anything else you want to mention? We can dive into the keys to the game. Mine is to do what they did against the Panthers. I, 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 I get it. It's simplistic, but the offense was the best that it's looked all season. I thought they looked better than they did against the Dolphins, and they've steadily improved since the Dolphins game, throwing the Saints game into the garbage where it, where it belongs. And I am not at all sad that the Saints lost to the to the Eagles. Doesn't bother me any. Jalen Hurts bother me one bit. Yeah, Doesn't but I, I do what do what they did against the Panthers. I, you have the blueprint now and the, the bills defense is definitely better than the Panthers, but you can, you have confidence. Now you have something that Pat Shermer and drew lock can build on and maybe add some more wrinkles here and there. So I, and then find a way to get champ Bailey to play a quarter. Maybe just, yeah, one, maybe just come in like the, Maybe the fourth quarter, right? Just to sort of you know tighten things up at the end there. That might work for me. Uh, my my key to the game is actually right in line with something that we talked about that you brought up earlier, uh, and it's going to be about the defensive line and the linebackers. Um, you have a secondary that is pretty much in shambles, and so uh, the defensive line and the linebackers are going to have to contain Josh Allen. They're going to have to uh, limit his running. He's dangerous on the run. He runs to the right and is pretty much. Uh, the maybe he might be the most dangerous quarterback running to his right in the NFL, and and I include Patrick Mahomes in that, and and it's probably only by just a little bit if it's by any at all. Uh, but when he's moving to his right, he's incredibly dangerous, and you're gonna have to do something to contain him to limit what they do on offense to try and keep uh, the Broncos' offense in in the game. Uh, otherwise, it's it's gonna get out of hand, and it's gonna get out of hand quick. So uh, making sure that you can sort of keep him contained keep him in the pocket and then get some hits on him like you said if you can if you can get some hits on him maybe get a couple of sacks get him uncomfortable right that's sort of the the idea get him uncomfortable then you can have some success and maybe limit what they do and, and keep the score close and maybe maybe Drew Locke can uh, steal another win that that would be uh best case scenario obviously I'm going to add a, a, a second key to the game, and, that, and all this ties together. They need to win the turnover battle. The Broncos are absolutely putrid at turnover differential. They're the last in the league offensively in terms of turnovers. They need to win the turnover battle, and the best way to do that is to pressure the quarterback because that's going to rush his throws. And I get it. They don't have any cornerbacks, but Justin Simmons can still make plays on the ball. Kareem Jackson can, Will Parks obviously can. So win the turnover battle. If you want to win this game, if you want to have a shot, the Broncos have to win the turnover battle. That would be that would be a pretty big key to the game for sure. All right, uh, players to watch. Let's go defense first because that's kind of what we're talking about, uh, and it seems to be sort of our main focus. So what is your who is your player to watch on defense? It's Michael Ojemudier and Devontae Bosby because I thought they played, I thought they played really well on Sunday, given the situation that they're not starting cornerbacks and they were thrown into the, thrown into the into the, the the pack so to speak, thrown in with the Wolves 
let's see how they do against a receiving core that's that's really good. Stefan Diggs is one of the best receivers in football. And oh, yeah. Cole Beasley is not easy to cover from the time that he was with Tony Romo in Dallas until now. So it's going to be a challenge. So I, I want to see how Ojemudie and, and Bosby respond to the situation. And I, I think they have the coaching and the system that's going to put them in a situation to have success. Now it's on them to step up and do it. Absolutely. I'm going to go with Alexander Johnson. I was going to say Shelby Harris. Uh, I feel like that's maybe a little too a little too obvious. Uh, and, and I was, you know, I could say the defensive line and linebackers, like I just talked about with the keys, but I'm going to go more specific. Uh, I think AJ Johnson is, uh, somebody who could have a pretty big impact on this game. If he's, if he's able to sort of, uh, put his mark on this game, if he can, I don't, I don't want to put him in a situation where he's the spy of Josh Allen, but obviously somebody's going to have to monitor what Josh Allen is doing. Uh, if he can sort of keep him contained and be the guy who does that, that will limit the Bills' offense a little bit, like you said. Uh, Stephon Diggs is going to get his—he's going to get his catches. He's going to get his yards. Uh, you know, you're going to have to deal with some of that. But if if AJ Johnson can uh, be big in stopping the run and keeping Devin Singletary from from breaking out and having a big game, uh, if he can be big in limiting what Josh Allen does when he breaks out and tries to run or when he rolls to the right and looks to pass, then he can he can really impact how well this defense plays. So I think I'm going to go with AJ Johnson on that. Uh, offense? I want to go with Jerry Judy. And not because he needs to have 10 catches or 150 yards, but just because this kid's going to be great. I I have no doubt in my mind Jerry Judy is going to be one of the league's best receivers. The, the way he's able to run routes, the fact that he's already drawing attention of defenses like the Panthers <laughs> – where he's drawing like four cornerbacks on him. It was like the Pied Piper out there. It's it's ridiculous. But even then, that route that he ran to get open on that 30-yard uh, completion from Drew Locke is insane. If you haven't watched it, watch it. I mean, the kid is – the guy is just going to be incredible. So I'm, I'm going to watch Jerry Judy. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go cliche, and I'm gonna say Drew Locke. I haven't said Drew Locke in a while, usually because you steal him, and so I'm like, oh wait, what am I gonna say now? Uh, but you didn't do that this time, so I'm gonna go with Drew Locke. Uh, he he's the key to the game in as much as we we have said this over and over again. Uh, you usually win football games because of your quarterback. I, I am uh, not necessarily uh, a proponent of QB wins, right? You know the, the QB wins stat. I think that some people maybe take that a little too far, but I also think people undersell it as well. Uh, it is, there is no doubt that the best teams in the NFL have the best quarterback play. And if you, if you think that uh, that's not true, ask the, ask the Seahawks who would be, I'm, I'm going to say they would have maybe two wins without Russell Wilson as their quarterback. I don't care who they have as weapons. Uh, ask the Packers how they would feel if they had to switch out Aaron Rodgers for whoever his backup is right now. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, and I'm not saying Drew Locke has to be Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. What I am saying is that quarterback play leads to victories. And so Drew Locke's play is going to be incredibly important. And he's going to have to match what Josh Allen does. Now, I'm not going to get into the comparison thing because, as we've said before in the past, I, we don't want Drew Locke to be Josh Allen or anybody else. We just want him to be Drew Locke. Unless Drew Locke sucks, and then we'd like him to be Josh Allen or whoever is really good. So we don't want to get into the comparison thing, but what we do want to, you know, sort of understand is 
on offense, as your quarterback goes, so goes your offense. So Drew Locke's going to have to have a pretty good game or else it's going to be a long Saturday and you're all going to be really upset and you're going to just have to drink an extra beer or two to make yourself feel better, which you might just have to do to celebrate. Who knows? Speaking of whether or not you're going to celebrate or uh, drown your sorrows, prediction time. Uh, I'll let you I'll let you take the floor. The Broncos open as a six and a half to seven point underdog to the Bills. What is interesting, if you're into this kind of thing, the Broncos are eight and five against the spread this year. So that's something to keep in mind. I don't think they're going to cover. I think they're going to lose 34 24. Ooh, okay. Uh, you, you actually have it closer than I do. Uh, I'm. I'm I'm very worried about this Bills defense that we haven't really even talked about uh, having a, a, a big impact on what happens in the game. I, I think the Bills are gonna um, gonna run away with this one. I'm picking the Bills 39 to 12. Uh, that's two touchdowns and two mixed missed extra points. So uh, two touchdowns for Drew Locke, two touchdown passes. Let's say to Jerry Judy for fun. Why not? Uh, but uh, also um, two missed extra points, and it doesn't matter anyway because 39 to 12 is the score. Uh, not pretty, but uh, probably to be expected. Either way, not close. Either way, not close. Ten point loss. That's right. All right, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our uh, whip around the league, uh, look at the AFC West, and then we will say adios. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to do a, a quick look at the AFC West. Obviously, we talked about the Broncos. Uh, and so the, the Saturday game, the other Saturday game, if you will, which uh, the Broncos also play on Saturday is the Chargers and the Raiders. So we'll just get that out of the way quick. Um, go Chargers. Yeah, go Chargers. I, they, they could win this game. They, they did just win a game. Uh, good for them. Uh, and the Raiders are, are pretty up and down, right? I think that's a, a fair thing to say about them. They, they've won more than they've lost, but they, and they beat the chiefs, but man, then they have some, just some bad losses, like to the Falcons who the chargers just beat. So, that might be an interesting game just to kind of see what the outcome is. Uh, and there's, then, some, there's some interesting news involving the Raiders with a tie-in to the Broncos. Yeah, I was going I didn't ben, want to talk about it. <laughs> Benjamin Albright said that uh, it's there's potential for Wade Phillips to be the next defensive coordinator of the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. it doesn't fit. You know, you ever tried something on and it just like like it it just doesn't fit. That just doesn't fit. I just don't like the way it fits. And, and that's because he's a he's a Bronco. And I know, you know, a lot of a lot of 
Broncos have gone on to be successful with the Raiders, and we could have that conversation as well. But at Wade Phillips, come on, Wade, just retire. Just, you know, or come on back to Denver and just hang out and watch football games with us. That'd be fun. I'd be fine with that too. I'm incredibly happy for Wade because he should be back in football. Absolutely. I'm, as I tweeted a GIF, I think I'm going to throw up because that's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, you're right. He does deserve I – th- I, th- I think if he wants to coach in the NFL, he's earned it, right? He's earned the opportunity to be a defensive coordinator uh, if he wants it. And, I, you know, go get it, I guess. But, yeah, if that if that comes to fruition, it will be one that is uh, less than enjoyable for uh, Broncos country just because we like to think of Wade Phillips as ours and uh, we don't want him to go be with the Raiders. That's just all there is to it. We, you know. So we'll just kind of leave it there. It is interesting, though, and this may be a topic for another day. So this may be put a pin. I might be, yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if people lessen their view of Wade Phillips if that happens. Oh yeah, like they have with Lyle Alzado. Because think about it. Anytime you ever mention the name Lyle Alzado, what is it that people throw back at you? Played for the Rangers. Yeah, that's just because they don't know the history of it and the fact that the Broncos actually did Lyle Alzado dirty. Uh, I think, I, I think that you probably will get that. I mean, that, that's that happens with rivalries. I mean, ask how many how many Red Sox fans hate Johnny Damon, right? For example, right? Because he went and ended up playing for the Yankees. Uh, so you know that I, I just kind of put that out there. There there is that, but it is sort of silly. Like you just appreciate the time you had uh, with him in there and. As, as a Broncos fan, I would be bummed if Wade Phillips was uh, the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, but he'd do a really good job and good for him, and we appreciated his time in Denver. So, you know. Twice? Three times? Yeah, a few, <laughs> however many times it was. So, you know, I, 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 think I'm, I think I'm old enough and mature enough now to be able to let that go. I think. I don't know for sure, but I think I could. We'll see what happens. All right, the other AFC West game is the, the Chiefs at the Saints. Uh, it is uh, – a potential Super Bowl preview. I mean, obviously there's um, there are a lot of teams that have a shot at the Super Bowl, but the Chiefs are uh, the number one seed in the AFC, and the Saints are a very good team, especially when they have Drew Brees as their quarterback. Which Especially uh, when they're playing a team that has no eligible quarterbacks. Also that. <laughs> there is also that. The Saints aren't going to be playing Kendall Hinton on Sunday. They're not. No, they're going to be playing Taysom Hill, who I think has continued to prove that while he's a nice, he's a nice story. I don't think he's a future starter. But yeah, so no, that'll be a. I I don't think that it's that'll be an interesting game. I think the Chiefs win that game, sort of going away. Uh, but I don't think it would be the same outcome necessarily if Drew Brees was the quarterback uh, of that game. It just doesn't look like he's going to be, from what from what I can tell. Based on no, I, I I agree with you. I think if Drew, if Drew Brees was playing this game, it would be closer because Drew Brees can match Patrick Mahomes. Taysom Hill can't. So the Chiefs are going to blow the Saints out of the Superdome. Like, legitimately, it is not going to be close. Steve Spagnuolo and that defense are not going to be beat by Taysom Hill. Sorry, not going to happen. He's not going to be able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Mikel Hardman and any anyone else. So it no, the Chiefs are going to absolutely 
blow the roof off of the Superdome. I like that you purposely did not mention Travis Kelsey. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I, get I won't it. ever again. <laughs> the guy is a D bag. Yeah, no, it's just, you get no argument from me. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, all right. So, and I think, I think we're also in agreement that while that could be a potential Super Bowl um, preview, I think we both probably agree that the NFC representative for the Super Bowl is likely going to be, uh, the third Saturday game representative, which is the Packers, uh, at least that's kind of where I'm leaning towards right now. Uh, they play the Panthers. They're going to beat the Panthers. I don't. I mean, the Broncos beat the Panthers, so the Packers are going to beat the Panthers. So, and just, Christian McCaffrey is not going to play. Yes, so, still, and we just saw what Drew Locke did to that defense. And it's this is where it's important. Fans aren't going to be in the stands for the most part unless Dallas somehow finds a way into the playoffs and Jerry Jones can fill his stadium. But you still have to go up to Lambeau. It's cold. And play in the elements. Drew Brees is much better in a dome than he is at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Yeah. So the elements are still going to play a factor in all of this. And if the Packers get home field advantage, which is – what they have right now, thanks to the Eagles beating the Saints, the Packers are going to go to the Super Bowl because I don't see anyone going into Lambeau and beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers with that offense, especially. Yeah, it's it's a that's a big ask, and I don't I don't see it happening. All right, what are some other games that we see around the league that are popping out, if you will? It's not one that is going to be very interesting because it doesn't really mean anything but the eagles and the cardinal cardinals i want to see if if jalen hurts and doug peterson are able to do what they did last week against the saints against the cardinals down in phoenix sure and that's a jeff every's essery game jeff essery will love that game because it's uh two oklahoma quarterbacks so uh that'll be fun for him and i, I definitely can kind of see how that that's going to be the eagles are going to be an interesting watch the rest of the season because Every time Jalen Hurts goes out and wins a game, it's going to be another nail in the coffin of Carson Wentz time in Philadelphia, except for his gigantic contract, which sort of hangs over their head. So that'll be uh, that's that's going to be some interesting drama that plays out the rest of the year that doesn't necessarily include uh, football, but more along the lines of like contracts and things like that. Um you mentioned before we uh, picked back up C- the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Redskins. Uh, the Seahawks are a, a playoff team. or football team. Sorry, I know. Dollar in the jar. Sorry. I'm old, man. You're asking me to change my ways now? Uh, but the uh, the Seahawks are a playoff contending team, and, and Washington is the number one team in the NFC East. So, I mean, it does, it does become a pretty big football game. That defense – led by Chase Young. That guy is a beast. It's in, I mean incredible. Did you see the the clip I'm sure you did of Mike Tomlin uh telling him I don't want Mike Tomlinson says I don't ever want to be bad enough to get a player like you. I thought that was that is such a strange way to pay somebody such a gigantic compliment to essentially say you are one of the best players I've ever seen and I don't ever want to be so bad that that I could draft you. I I mean he it's to the point now he's obviously the defensive rookie of the year. I don't think there's any debate about that. He's in the conversation for defensive player of the year. That's how good he has been for the Washington football team. Obviously Aaron Donald 
is on a planet all by himself. But the fact that a rookie is in the conversation, that says everything you need to know about Chase Young. I mean, <laughs> holy crap. To, to, to continue a theme. So... <laughs> Uh, any, any other games that you are, are paying attention to, looking at, wanting to watch? I, I think it, it's not games, but it's teams. I'm I'm curious to see how the next three weeks go for the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans because both of those teams have the potential to win the AFC South. And then whichever one doesn't is going to be one of the three wild card teams. That's a big drop-off because that means you're going on the road instead of hosting a playoff game. So the next three weeks are going to be crucial for both of those teams. And I think the Colts are a very underrated team. They're not being looked at as a team that can do much in the playoffs, but I think they have, to throw out the oldest cliche in football, they, they do the two things well that you need to be able to do to win in the playoffs, regardless if you're at home or the road. That's run the ball and play great defense. And the Chargers are able to do that. The Colts. And Phil Rivers. Yeah, the Colts. Uh, the Chargers See, were. It's hard when things change and you've got to remember is. it. I, I'm with you. And he moves his 84 kids to Indy. But I I think the Colts are very underrated. Like, I, yes, the top of the heap is definitely the Chiefs and the Bills. I think they're the two teams that are the class of the AFC. The Colts are right there. I think the Colts could beat either of them. Because remember, the Colts did go into Arrowhead last year and beat the Chiefs. They did. I mean, a good defense. Look, we we know this as Bronco fans. A good defense will, will take you a long way. And if it's a really good defense or one of the greatest defenses of all time, they might even win you a Super Bowl. So uh, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and you're right. The the catch of the year may have come – uh, on an interception by by the Colts, and I'm now now sitting here blanking on the the player's name, but uh, that, We're old. thank you. The uh, <laughs> the interception in the end zone. I mean, incredible. I find it fascinating that when you mentioned the top two teams in the AFC, you went Chiefs and Bills, and you didn't bring up the Steelers. Now, I'm not saying that you should have lumped them in there, but the Steelers are sitting there at 11 and two. Uh, they're coming off of another loss. That that's a team that's going to be interesting to watch as well. the 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 line on them now is well, they played a bunch of cupcakes to get to eleven and zero, uh, and now they're now they're actually showing that they're not that good because they did get rolled by the Bills. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they recover from that. If they can recover from that, they get what I think is a pretty easy game uh, against the the Bengals on Monday night, uh, which. Is is it maybe exactly what they needed? They need something to kind of uh, get them back into the groove. And then you mentioned teams that you're watching. I, I'm I'm watching the Browns. I, I, I know Baker Mayfield and the Browns just lost to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. We talked all about it. Uh, that team to me is is kind of like uh, the hyped up version of the Indianapolis Colts. And what I mean by that is they're probably about the same as far as what they can do, but they do two things really well. They run the football and they play good defense. And that may not have been on display uh, in that, you know, in that Monday night game against the Ravens, but they really do have a, a, a shot in every game that they play. And a big part of that is Baker Mayfield and, and the fact that they've got a good defense, but they've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt 
who run the football very well and control the game. And that is something that when you can do that, you can win games. And and that is going to be interesting to see how their season plays out, knowing that in the NFC North, you've got the Steelers, AFC North. Gosh, darn it. Give me the jar. I'll put a dollar in. That You've got the Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens all kind of battling. And I know the Steelers are out in front. They've got a pretty big lead, but can they – can they maintain it with those two teams behind them kind of making a push? And the Ravens are a very interesting team because you know they're a well-coached team from John Harbaugh. And I think the rest of the, the remaining three games on their schedule, I think they have a pretty easy schedule in terms of the teams they're playing. So that win over the Browns is huge because it keeps them in the playoff conversation. And the way that they ended their season last year being the number one seed in the AFC, basically running through everybody, and then being upset by the Titans in the divisional round, if they get in, they're going to have motivation to make up for what happened last year. So the next three weeks are going to be huge for Baltimore because if, if, if the Ravens are able to get in, they're dangerous. Absolutely. And the other thing that goes along with that is the momentum that they're going to gain from having defeated the Browns uh, in, in sort of an epic fashion. That was that was fun to watch as well. The The main thing here for us, though, is, is can Drew Locke uh, replicate Drew Locke from his game against the Panthers, or are we going to see him fall back down to earth and become Drew Locke of the rest of the season? You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.